Hello and welcome to Curdled Ink, one woman's tirade against poor writing and problematic romance. My name is Lee, and this is episode 21, chapter 21 of Fifty Shades of Grey. As usual, content warnings will be in the episode description, and of course if there are any that I missed, please let me know and I will add them. Okay, so we start off the chapter with Anna thinking that she needs to clarify with Christian what more, what quote-unquote more she's willing to try, or he's willing to try in their relationship. Yeah, honey, that's what I've been saying this whole time. You can't just say, both of you, you can't just keep saying, I want more. Okay, I'll try to give you more. Like, what does that mean? What do you want? Anna, Christian, what are you, what, you know, what are you willing to give? Like, you can't just say, I want something that I'm not getting in this relationship and expect that your partner is going to know, you know, exactly what that is that you want that you're not getting. So Anna meets Christian's housekeeper, who is, of course, another blue-eyed blonde. It, it's weird. It's getting so weird. And and it's even, like, she even calls it out in the narrative again of, like, why does he only hire blue-eyed blondes? At this point, I think it's probably because he's a racist. Like, I don't know, man. There have been so many blonde women in this book so far and they're out there obviously but the fact that there are so many that just gather around Christian kind of feels kind of a little racist here comes our first quote from the book page 371 they're they're talking about having sex and Christian says you've really got a taste for this haven't you miss Steele? you're becoming insatiable like, as if he's teaching her to have a sex drive. As if he's teaching her to want sex and to like sex. Like, no. That's just a thing that happens. You have sex and you like it, so you want some more. Like, obviously not everybody does. Some people just don't want to have sex and that's whatever. But a lot of times you have sex once and you're like, oh shit, this is fun. And so you want to have sex more. That's, like, pretty normal. So Anna says, I've only got a taste for you. Which is incredibly monogamy culture. Oh my god. Like, I just... Like, I kind of get it. Like, it's NRE. It's a new relationship. The sex is great. Like, I definitely know the feeling of, like, fixating on a new partner and being like, oh my god, this is the, the only person I can think about, the only person I want to be around, whatever. But, like, sooner or later, I start looking at other people again, too. I don't think that's just a poly thing. I don't think that's just because I'm poly. I think a lot of monogamous people also look at and appreciate how hot other people are outside of their monogamous relationship. It's just like whether you choose to act on that or not kind of determines how monogamous you are, right? So I don't know, this just feels incredibly like monogamy normative, toxic monogamy culture, like the ultimate in romance is that she only ever wants to have sex with him ever in her life. Like, give me a break. So then, of course, they have sex and Christian says... Or no, this is before sex. They haven't even fucked yet. They're just making out or whatever. And Christian is, says, what the hell are you doing to me? Like, he's so surprised that he, like, wants her or is turned on by her or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. He's like, what are you doing to me? You have cast your spell or whatever. I'm not going to find the quote. But it's, like, new relationship energy where you're just really excited to be with this person and you just want to fuck them all the time. Like, have you never experienced that? Because it's kind of a common thing. Or, like, maybe it's trying to imply that he, like, has never felt this strongly about any of his former, you know, 
submissives who don't get the title of girlfriend, of course, because Anna's special. I don't know. I don't know what it's implying. It's just weird. It's this weird, like, he gets so weird around, like, around the sex in this chapter, and it's never, like, addressed. Like, Anna kind of brings it up later, and Christian just totally skirts around it and doesn't explain what's going on, which, like, hello, y'all need to fucking communicate with each other. That's the only way relationships work in general, but of course they're not going to. Where's the fun in that? So after they fuck, Christian asks again about Anna going to Georgia, and she's like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going this week, I'm leaving tonight. And so then, of course, Christian immediately just shuts down, becomes, like, cold, and starts, like, ordering her around. Like, they they go out to the kitchen eventually, and she's like, oh, I'm not hungry. And he's like, no, you're gonna fucking eat. Like, he's, he's back to that part of his personality, which, again, like, okay, you're gonna miss her again that. I understand that. But you're handling it so poorly. Like, you're just fucking throwing a temper tantrum because your girlfriend is doing something on her own that doesn't include you. Boo-hoo. Grow the fuck up. She's only gone for a few days. Like, it's fine. And it kind of feels like another romantic trope that's actually a little bit toxic if you apply it to real life, which is, like, the ultimate in romance is that, like, you can't live without each other and you can't bear to spend a moment, you know, apart. Which, again, I absolutely have had the experience of, like, I'm really fucking infatuated with someone and I really just want to spend every moment of, of my waking and sleeping life with them. But that's not really healthy. Like, it's- that's codependence. That has ruined at least one long-term relationship in my life. Like, if you don't, have a life outside of your partner, if you don't have a support network outside of your partner, that's bad. That's unhealthy. That's putting so much expectations on one person. So it's bad for them. And then it's bad for you because, like, there's so much riding on this relationship that everything, every little thing starts to feel so important so that you don't lose this one anchor that you have in your life. Like, it's just, it's just bad. Like, you are allowed to, and I would say should, you know, continue to be your own person, even if you're in a serious, committed relationship. That does not have to be the defining point of your life once you start dating someone that you're really into. And on the other hand, also, like, I I moved in with my partner a while ago, and it was, like, a long time before we spent even one night apart after moving in together, and, like, I was kind of anxious about it. I was like, damn, am I gonna miss you? Like, I don't know, it's been so long. Like, you get used to having this person, (laughs) you know? But it was fine. I was fine. It was just one night, and I was having fun. I was spending time with my family, so, like, it was fine. Christian, you're gonna be fine. It's okay. Oh yeah, so then they're talking about the trip and Christian is like, my company has a private jet, you should use it. No fucking first of all stop using your company's property for your own personal shit like if you want a helicopter buy your own helicopter you cannot tell me he does not have enough money to have his own personal helicopter fucking same with a private jet like how many millions of dollars does this man have you could if you really want a private jet get your own fucking private jet use the company private jet for company shit like not that i think anyone should own a private jet but i'm just saying like in christian's world like Like, it just, the fucking entitlement of like, oh, I don't need to buy my own shit. I can just use the company's shit for my personal. Do you realize how fucking fast he would fire one of his own employees if they so much as used the company computer for, like, Facebook for five seconds? 
they would be out the door. And yet he's using their fucking private jet to fly his girlfriend across the country for her vacation. Like, fucking rich people. But anyway, Anna turns him down. She's like, no, I'm going to take a commercial flight. Thank you. So good for her. So cut to Anna's interview at one of the publishing companies that she's trying to get an interview or trying to get an internship at. You know, this this is part of this chapter is just boring plot stuff. But I will say they introduce three side characters at this company in the course of her interview and none of them are blue eyed blonde women. Crazy. Other people exist. Holy shit. Other character designs exist. I almost forgot. Which honestly, like, the other thing I was thinking about is like, okay, they've called out the fact that Christian only hires blondes a couple times. This, you know, this other company hires like actual real people who are not all blue-eyed blondes. So was it a purposeful decision to have Christian hire all blondes? Did E.L. James want to imply that he was racist? If so, why is that never addressed, like, at all? Or if not, what was she trying to imply by having him hire all blondes? Because I can't think of anything positive that that would imply about him if he's purposefully hiring all blonde-haired, blue-eyed women. Like, does he just like blondes and want to be around blondes? That's gross. (laughs) Is he racist? Also gross. Like, I don't see any decision by E.L. James that would be shedding a positive light on Christian's character with that. So I I don't, and, and since he's supposed to be the romantic lead of the story, like, I just don't get, like, as from a writer's perspective, I don't understand why that decision was made. I would love to hear some opinions about that. So the interview goes pretty well. She's leaving for Georgia on a red-eye flight that night. Blah, blah, blah. Plot. Before she leaves, Anna and Kate are talking kind of around Anna's relationship with Christian like they do because Anna, of course, has signed an NDA so she can't say anything. Kate is being Kate. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, Kate says, if the sex is good, that's half the battle gonna have to disagree with you there. That's not to say that good sex is not important in a relationship, if that is important to you. If you want to be having good sex in your relationship, great, take that into account. That's a factor. That's what's important to you in a relationship. And also, another caveat, because this is the internet and I have to have caveats out the wazoo, that's not to say never break up with someone just because the sex is bad. Like, I am fully in support of leaving your partner if the sex is bad. If, if A, they are not, like, doing what needs to be done to please you and they are not taking any steps to, like, try to get that done, leave their ass. Or if you're just not sexually compatible, like if you have a lot of kinks that they don't want to participate in, or vice versa, Anna, or if your kinks just aren't compatible, or if your, like, libido isn't compatible, or whatever it is, if it's, if you're incompatible, leave their ass. You know, it's, it's not just freeing you to find someone that's better for you, it's, it's freeing them to find someone that's better for them, too, right? If the sex ain't good enough, leave if you wanna, if that's what seems like the best option for you. All of that said, you know, in a romantic relationship, there's a lot more going on besides sex. And the sex can be stellar, it can be outstanding, but the rest of the relationship might be in shambles. And that's a much bigger problem, you know? If if the only time you're truly happy with your partner is when, you're, when your clothes are off, I wouldn't say that's half the battle won. I would say that there's a lot going on that you probably need to address. 
And again, if if the sex is good but everything else is terrible, you know, depending on a lot of other things, might be time to start thinking about whether this relationship is worth staying in or not. Because good sex, like, there's lots of people out there who can give you good sex. But if you're not being respected, if you're not feeling cared for in the ways that you want and need, if you're not, you know, if that person is not adding value to your life, it's not worth it. You don't need to be in a relationship is the other thing. Like, if you are better, if you're happier single than you are with this person, time to go back to being single until, if you so choose, you find someone who makes your life better than when you were single, right? Don't be in a relationship that makes your life worse. Be in a relationship that makes your life better, is what I'm saying. Page 383. Anna is trying to figure out if Christian cares about her, if Christian loves her, if Christian has feelings for her. And she thinks, he seems very keen, says I'm his, but that's just part of his I must own and have everything now control freak dominant self, surely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what you're saying is he is showing you all of these signs that he wants you and he cares about you and he has feelings for you and you are distilling all of that down into, oh, he just wants me in order to control me because he's a dom. No. <laughs> Dr. Evil, no voice. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of something like a way to say this that I haven't said before, but just because he's not showing his affection in the way that you're used to doesn't mean he doesn't care for you. Yes, he's a dominant. Yes, he wants someone to control, but that does that's not mutually exclusive with loving someone and caring about them and, and having, you know, a caring, affectionate relationship with his partner. The real issue, of course, as I always say, is that he's an abuser and a douche nozzle, but that has nothing to do with him being kinky. But of course, Anna is, you know, so steeped in all of her internalized kink shame. And of course, Christian is still doing less than the bare minimum to help get her out of that headspace. So here we are. Oh my god. Okay, here we go. Here's one of these, like, why... Why was this exchange put in here? What is going on here? I don't, I don't get it. What are the straights up to? So Anna is again thinking about how he has all these like gorgeous blonde employees and she's like, I wonder if any of his employees are his ex-girlfriends, his ex-submissives. So Anna emails Christian to ask, did you ever date your housekeeper? Which like, okay, if my new girlfriend out of nowhere asked if my maid was my ex, I would probably have some strong feelings about that too. First of all, what the fuck? But Christian, of course, gets angry as fuck because in typical cishet male fashion, he knows two emotions, angry and horny. So anger it is. So that's fun. And then in that same email, they were like having an email exchange talking about the sex they had that morning. And Anna describes it as fucking, which I, I've probably mentioned this before. Christian insists, like one of the first things he said to Anna, like when they started dating or whatever was like, I don't make love, I fuck. And there's been a lot of references to that in, in the book since then of like, we're gonna fuck we're gonna, the type of sex we have is fucking. Like, it's Christian's word. But now, because he has this other thing to be mad at Anna about, he's also gonna get mad at her about using the word fucking. About her, an entire grown-ass adult woman, using a curse word. Which is honestly just condescending as fuck. 
So that's fun. Another fun part of their email exchange, page 386, they were talking about like how good the sex was and Anna's like, yeah, I, I, it was great. Of course, I have limited experience. And Christian says, your experience will continue to be limited just to me. And first of all, it's like, okay, we get it. You've discussed monogamy at this point, at least a little bit. Christian, you have made it clear that you are not willing to have a non-monogamous relationship. Fine. Shut the fuck up about it. Like, it's not cute, it's not hot, it's not romantic, it's just possessive and annoying. And also, like, you've been together a month, your relationship has been unhealthy as fuck the entire time, and you're already assuming that you're gonna be together forever, and that Anna is, like, only ever gonna fuck you. That's entitled as fuck. That's possessive as fuck. That's creepy as fuck. Stop it. So then the chapter ends with Anna getting to the airport, only to find that Christian has tracked down what flight she's on without her telling him, and found her ticket and upgraded her to first class. And I know he thinks he's, like, doing her a favor, or, like, being nice, or making some romantic gesture, or whatever, but you're- bro, you're not. You're being creepy again. You're stalking your girlfriend again. You're being overly possessive, overly controlling. Like, back the fuck up. She wanted to go on this commercial flight to get away from you, to get away from this rich lifestyle that she's not comfortable with, to do something on her own, of her own free will, for fucking once since you have taken possession of her. You need to respect that. Just because she's your sub does not make her yours entirely. She is still her own person outside of the defined box that you put around your power exchange dynamic. Like, that's the entire point of having a consensual, negotiated power exchange dynamic, is to put a box around it so that she can choose what she wants to give to you to control and what she- what parts of herself and her life she wants to keep for herself and keep her independence with. And this trip is in the latter category, so back the fuck off. Like, just- you have to let her live her life, but of course he doesn't want that. He wants complete control over everything about her, always, at all times, forever. Chapter over. Thank you so much for listening to my latest rant. My name is Lee. You can find my social media at allmylinks.com slash leecartist. You can find this podcast at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod. And you can find our Patreon, my Patreon, this podcast's Patreon, at patreon.com slash thecurdledpod, where you can support this podcast monthly in return for some fun exclusive content. Be sure to check the episode description for the spelling on all of those links. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can't, don't want to, or don't feel comfortable supporting me monetarily, please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice, or tell a friend, make a social media post. I don't- I don't know. I was trying to think of a punchline, but I didn't get one, so <laughs> whatever you want to do to spread the word about this humble podcast is so, so appreciated. Thank you. The logo is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com, and until next time, remember your rack. That's risk-aware consensual kink. Bye!
welcome to Curdled Ink, one woman's tirade against poor writing and problematic romance. Whoop. Here we go, adjusting things. My name is Lee, and I forgot my intro. That's cool. <laughs> Off to a great start. I really should set up my notes before I start recording, huh? That's what I'm saying! This kitty wants my attention. I gotta buy a better quality mic stand at some point. You know, they are not bonk. So he emails him, so Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm.